Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Namaste Bitches. I am so sorry for the huge gap. I thought I was going to be all good and get two episodes done in July and two episodes done in August during Edinburgh and then it all fell apart for me and I just couldn't get it all done and I apologize but we're back. We're actually back with an episode uh, that I recorded before Edinburgh even started with Beck Hill. So we'll be talking about some things that uh, actually happened in July. So if you're like, this, why are they talking about this now? It's because it was recorded in July. But uh, Beck is an amazing stand-up comedian. Actually, before we get started, I need you to pause the podcast right now. Yes, go pause it. And watch her take on Edith Pilaf's uh, no regrets. I'm going to include it in the show notes. It's a YouTube page. She did a flip chart where she, um, she does, uh, she does the subtitles of what she thinks it sounds like. It's amazing. So pause the podcast right now. No, seriously, pause it. Go watch that. Get in a good mood and come back. Uh, you'll watch that and then you'll know, uh, how great of a comedian she is. She's also one of my very good friends. Uh, we talk a lot about social media, which she's very into and she's a Christian, uh, which I am not, but, uh, I think she has a really healthy relationship with her religion and she's very kind to talk openly about it with us. And she has a great piece of advice right up top. So enough about me. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad that you're back listening and welcome to this episode. All right, here we go. Dance floor, I'm gonna feel my dancing floor. This is my and I feel like you know. Usually, I play classical music uh, on the intro because yeah. it's uh, you don't have to pay for royalties. Yeah, um, I think you just singing that is perfect. Uh, I think me singing that is so close to the original that you'll get done for copyright. Yeah, they'll be I, like, oh my gosh, she's <laughs> using Nelly without permission. <laughs> That is exactly his singing. (laughs) It sounds exactly like him. What are we going to do? Yeah. Um, Did you think about a piece of advice? Yes. Uh, Okay. What is your piece of advice, Beck Hill? Um, So I got this piece of advice from a fortune cookie. Like all of where all the best advice comes from (laughs) is desserts. Uh, And it was never wrestle with a pig. You both get all dirty and the pig likes it. Nice. I like it. So what does that mean? How do you apply that in your life? Uh, well, I've found that it applies easiest to trolls or media who try and distract you with rubbish arguments. So Tro- Trolls as in Twitter trolls, right? Twitter trolls, yeah not, yeah. not ones that live under bridges. No, or the adorable ones with the hair that you stroke for good luck. Whatever happened to those? I've got so... They're all at my house in Australia. That's, I bought them all in the yeah. 90s. Okay. Yeah. And uh, now there's no trolls left for anyone. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay, so, uh, so media that gives you false information... Wait. Yeah, well, like, um, uh, like a good example at the moment is, and the problem is, by me mentioning her name, I'm already adding to the problem. That's like, it, it's such a paradox. But uh, Katie Hopkins has been um, sort of in the media a lot recently. And for those who don't know, don't Google her because it only proves to help her. But uh, she's a vile woman with some really vile takes on stuff. She became, like, really famous a year or so ago because she said that she would never let her kids play with other kids who have like interesting names because it it's a classist thing so she was like i would never let my child play with someone called abigaliah oh yeah or (laughs) abigaliah exactly because in her mind uh that means that they are of lower class really yeah what a bitch What a bitch. And all she does is she comes out and says, like, the worst thing in any situation. She referred to uh, refugees as cockroaches. Yeah. She's she's a horrible person. Does she know she's horrible? Yes. This is the thing. I think she... She started out originally on The Apprentice years ago. Right. And then sort of disappeared a bit. But even on The Apprentice... Like, I like how like, oh. I'm probably the only person you have to explain her to. Everyone else probably knows who you're talking about. I mean, I, I hope not. I hope not. I've heard her name, but like she's not because she's not an American problem. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I don't know much about her. 
Um, but the whole point of her is that she says horrible things because it gets her fame. She gets screen time. She has her own uh, uh, like column in newspaper. She has all these. She's given all these outlets to to air her horrible opinions because people like arguing with her. And as long as she's the one that everyone is riling up against, then the government gets away with you know cutting budgets and stuff like that because yeah. we're all too busy going ooh Katie Hopkins um and uh and and she knows what she's doing as well and so that's i think she's the pig i think don't wrestle with it because people try and argue it they're bringing this is the other thing they're bringing out a tv show she's going to have her own panel show soon where the point is that uh they get comedians to come on and like rip her to shreds like it's the point of the show so like a roast yeah exactly but like serious and not with good humor you know like because people genuinely hate her but what's interesting is the amount of comics who are like, no, I'm boycotting this. I would never go on a show despite how much they might offer. And I was chatting to a guy who's working on the show and he said they haven't had any problem getting comedians. It's just getting big name comedians that are difficult because the big name comedians don't need to lower themselves to that. Whereas all the comedians who maybe aren't as successful are like, yeah, I'll take that. I need screen time. You know, I need money. Yeah. Which I kind of, which I get. I think I would be... He did ask if I would be interested, um, and I said no, because um, not only do I think it doesn't help the situation, but I also uh, don't want to come across as a as a mean comic. I don't think it fixes anything. I think yeah, it's like I mean, trying to fight fire with fire. I, I really think you should do it, and you should just do your kill yourself flip chart, and then walk away. Yeah. Like, don't say anything, just yeah. do that, and then walk off stage. Yeah, I don't know if it fits in well with my brand. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but- that's true. <laughs> it is a bit nasty. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you are a big social media buff, like, yeah. as far as, like, you like playing on the tweets and the... I do. The... the the YouTubes and all the things the kids do. Mm. Um, do you, so do you deal with trolls a lot? Uh, not so much. Okay. Um, uh, I got my first proper one on a, my last YouTube video. The no regrets thing? Yeah. Yeah. There was, it was someone who just said something like, uh, marvelous, uh, oh, magnificent, a funny woman at last. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I thought I'll go in with like a good, maybe they didn't quite realize what they were saying. Maybe I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And so I just said, um, uh, I know it's almost like I'm a normal functioning human being, (laughs) winky face. And then he wrote back, well, I'm sorry, but it's true. Women don't have a sense of humor. I was like, okay, you've brought this on. So Mm -hmm. I just wrote back, well, obviously you don't know enough women. And, um, and then he was like, actually, it's, um, I think we find that there's been science that proves this. And I was like, oh, this is, and so I just wrote back because I knew it was going to be a waste of time. Yeah. So I just wrote back, oh my gosh, my first troll. This is so exciting. Yay. <laughs> and then left it. But it's amazing the amount of other people who came in like, you're an idiot. Shut up. Yeah. And then he just kept fighting his point. And I was like, uh, you see, it's not, it doesn't, you just got to leave them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They know what they're doing. They like it. You both yeah. get dirty and they enjoy it. Yeah. Because that gives them more notoriety. Are you okay? Are you bleeding? I've just scratched, What's happening? I've just scratched a spot on my arm. Would you like a band-aid? No, Should we pause? No, no, no. <laughs> okay. It's just a flesh wound. It's just a minor flesh wound. Yeah. But if you see me on stage in a week and i am only got one arm, then you know where this began. So, um, in do you find it easy to stay away from the pigs or is it like at one point with that troll where you like, I really want to keep doing this, but I really shouldn't do it. Those ones, I think the more extreme they are, the easier they are for me to avoid. Mm-hmm. The ones that get me are the ones who, who are quite good at arguing. Like yeah. who I almost feel uh, like I'm actually got a challenge. Like with that guy, his, his immediate reaction was so over the top that I was like, oh, you're never going to change your mind. Yeah. But if someone is talking and they, like, give the slightest, there yeah, there's a chance I could win, mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll go for it. But that, yeah, that means I end up getting caught in a lot of Facebook debates and stuff, which are just, ugh. Like, there's loads of, I've got a friend, I say a friend, I've got an acquaintance on Facebook from Adelaide who I refuse to defriend because I feel like I'm one of his only sane friends in his list. Mm-hmm. But I have had to mute him because he just keeps sharing propaganda, like really anti-Muslim propaganda. Oh, wow. And it's so ridiculous. Like um, Vegemite recently got a label to say that it was halal. 
Okay. Which essentially means that, well, it doesn't have meat in it anyway because it's Vegemite. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it'd be really upset if it's not halal. Actually. Yeah. Exactly. And it doesn't have like uh, alcohol or anything in yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, it hasn't changed. They just put a label on it so it was easier. Plus, they sell it in places like Indonesia with a high Muslim population. So mm-hmm. it helps them get more money. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and it was this whole thing like, oh, Vegemite's now halal. Now Vegemite is funding terrorism. How un-Australian. And I was like, there are so many things wrong with this argument. Like, first of all, funding terror, like, that, I, that's so ridiculous, I can't even go there. Yeah. But then the fact that Vegemite is now owned by Kraft, which is an American company. So it's been un-Australian for about a decade. And it's like, why weren't you guys angry then when when they when, when they capitalism the took over and yeah. they keep selling off our Australian companies to overseas companies? Mm-hmm. Like, you just you, your priorities are in the you've got the passion, but you don't have the knowledge or the priorities to understand where to place it. So, did you argue that to uh, him? Or were yeah, you just and like, I got uh, so sick of arguing with him on a weekly basis that I just had to mute him. So I haven't defriended him. Weekly basis. But, yeah, like so, and it, like we would start to. That's insane. I, I we would start no to get somewhere. No wonder you have those. stomach issues. It's so, I know it's because then like it's always like gun. Like he thinks that guns should be legal, even though he lives in Australia. And when we make guns illegal, it we had no mass shootings after the Port Arthur massacre. So it's kind of like, dude, do you even? what yeah <laughs> it's just really frustrating and he's he's one of those people who thinks he's a lot smarter than he is yeah so you're just like oh you can't even you're not even aware of how stupid you are which makes it impossible to argue with them mm-hmm. so i feel like we we both do stand-up comedy in london together mm. and uh you have i feel like a reputation on the circuit for being like one of the nicest and hardest working comedians <laughs> Of our peer group. I work really hard to make that look, look like, like my like reputation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I probably <laughs> spend more time trying to make it look like I'm one of those comics than actually doing any of them. It's just stuff. all the arguing on Twitter. And oh everyone's like, she is just always online, you know, always working. Yeah, that's what people think. When they see you posting on Facebook a lot, they're like, wow, she must be working hard. I will say that uh, when there was, as we know, there was a little bit of a kerfuffle with some Edinburgh venues yeah. this year and a lot of uh, comics were weighing in on the threads and I got re- we both got quite sucked yeah. into it. In fact, I we, stopped. We both, I'm... when you stopped, I stopped because I was like, if Abigail can stop, I can stop. <laughs> but it's so addictive, isn't it? Yeah. And I was supposed to be checking a pilot that I'd written with Tom Goodliffe for a children's sitcom, Beck and, uh, Beck and Tom Double Act. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, I um, I was supposed to be doing that. And I was saying to him, like, I've been really busy. I'm really sorry. I haven't had a chance to look at the script. But he's, like, seeing me post on all of these threads. And I'm not even in that venue. Like, there's no reason yeah. for me to be weighing in. But, you know, it's it's quicker than sitting down and spending two hours going through a script. Yeah, no, I. Uh, that's why I was like, I got to step away from this because it's literally none of my business i think i lost about two days yeah well we had lunch together and (laughs) lunch consisted of us taking turns reading the thread that's right you read it out to me while i cooked that was actually a lot of fun it was really fun (laughs) (laughs) um but beck hill how do you stay so freaking positive (laughs) um uh, actually, I, I was talking to Juliet Burton about this because yeah. we did her lovely happy hour gig the other She's, day. I love Juliet. She has all friend of the, of the show, guest yes. of the podcast. She's amazing. Yeah, what an incredible woman. Um, and I, I think for me, the key's always been to have something to look forward to, mm. and it doesn't have to be a huge thing. Um, it can be small things. Like last night, I was really looking forward to having breakfast with you today and doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I then, was looking forward to having lunch with you. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's how our body clocks work. <laughs> and then now I'm looking forward to doing a preview tonight. And then, uh, you know, I've, I, I get to go to um, Northern Ireland tomorrow. But, like, just little things. Like, if I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to Krispy Kreme on Friday and get some donuts. Like, mm-hmm. I will use that. But then it might be something big. I'm obviously, I'm looking forward to Edinburgh. Or, yeah. Yeah. But you've just... For me, I've always got something to look forward to because then it, it it's always in the back of my mind and that's what makes it easier when things get tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when things get 
tough like do you do you live in that at all are you just like nope it's fine because I get to go to Northern Ireland tomorrow like I think to an extent I do I do go in denial a bit Uh um, or I try and distract myself how do you distract yourself Uh, I think we've already discussed that Um, (laughs) Twitter and Facebook (laughs) debates Um, but I do I I read uh, I get the New Testament a chapter from the New Testament sent to me every day yeah. And I read that and then there's a little reflection on it. And then I try and do like, I try and have like a, just a tiny little pray bit. Like I'll just be like, oh God, thank you so much for all the good things. And then like I'll list a few of the nice things that are happening, which makes does make you feel better. Mm-hmm. Like whether you uh, believe in a higher power or not, just talking out loud when you're on your own and taking a moment you to You say reflect. it all out loud? Yeah, yeah, oh. I talk out loud, yeah. Yeah, which to anyone else probably looks ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But it does, there is a difference, I think, between thinking things in your head and then saying it out loud. It's like, um, oh, I was talking to someone about, oh, it was a therapist friend, a friend who works in like psychology. And she was saying when she deals with people with anxieties and fears, she gets them to tell them to her out loud. And then she said almost always when they manage to work out what it is that's making them anxious, when they say it out loud, they realize how stupid it is. So if it's someone who's feeling anxious because they've got to do a, uh, a talk in front of their, mm-hmm. their boss, um, and she'll say, why are you scared? And they're like, oh, I'm scared because I might, um, I, might not be able, I might get stage fright and I won't be able to say anything. And she says, what do you think will happen if that happens? Mm-hmm. And, they'll, and they'll say like, oh... Um, and then uh, I'll look really unprofessional and no one will respect me. And she's like, what do you think will happen if that happens? And she's like, well, I'll I'll get fired. And as they say it, they're like, well, that's not good. Like they yeah. realize as they say it, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And if they did stuff up, everyone will go, oh, we have all had that time. Like every everyone understands. And I think the more you say the things out loud, the mm-hmm. more you start to realize how much you build things up in your head. So, yeah, I think I find, um, for me, it's like I'll call it praying because I talk to God and tell him about, either thank him for stuff or tell him about stuff that's going on or things that are worrying me. But if you're not a praying type, then just if you get a moment to yourself, just saying out loud things that you're scared of, mm-hmm. you'll start to realize, you start to prioritize and work out which things are actually things you you should be concentrating and focused on and the things that are probably anxieties you don't need to worry about. My uh, father used to take us through that same process when we were kids. When we used to get nervous about something, he'd be like, well, if that, then what? Yeah, um, yeah. About certain things. And I never knew it was a psychology trick. I just <laughs> thought, I thought my dad... Maybe he a, taught my psychologist friend. He probably yeah, did. Maybe your dad is the forefather of psychology. Um, I mean, he was a doctor. There so you go. No big deal. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love Beck's piece of advice. Don't wrestle with a pig. You both get dirty and the pig likes it. Um, Yeah, and I do the same thing where I'll just go on Facebook to do something real quick and wind up wasting a lot of time. In fact, I don't want to brag today. I woke up super early, worked out, did a couple things on my to-do list, and then I thought, I'll just check YouTube real quick. And uh, now it's 10 p.m. the night before this gets released, and I'm finally getting to recording these. So uh, I know what that's like. But if you wanted to waste some time, no big deal. I uh, have started posting videos on YouTube again, and I'm going to try to do them at least every other week, if not weekly. And I'd love for you to watch them. I'd love for you to share them with friends. Uh We're going to have some coming out later that are a bit more related to health and fitness, but right now it's just kind of a smorgasbord of silly things. But if you go to youtube.com slash Abigailia, you can find the videos. And I'm pretty proud of what we've done. We did a mockumentary. When I say we, I did them uh, with Tom Watts. And uh, we did a mockumentary called How to Be an 
awesome, successful comedian ever. And we also did another video called Nine Things, Nine of the Weirdest Things Said After Sex. So, you know, a little something for everybody. And also my stand-up videos are there, of course. But uh, enough about me, enough of me plugging stuff. Let's get back to Beck. We're going to get into talking about her Christianity and how she came to it. Because she actually wasn't raised Christian. Uh, it happened later in her life. But I don't. I don't want to tell you about it. I'll let her tell you about it. So here we go. Back to the podcast with Beck Hill. Uh, that's awesome. So uh, you, you are a Christian. Yeah. How did you come into your religion? Because you weren't, you weren't raised Christian, right? No, no. Uh, I got into it. I was about 14 and I went on a, I went on a, a church camp with a friend of mine Uh who is no longer Christian, funnily enough. Um, she really wanted me to go because she didn't want to be alone and I wasn't so keen because it was church and everything I knew <laughs> about God. church. Yeah, I, well, everything I'd learned from Simpsons. So to me, I was like, oh, they're all like Ned Flanders. That is the like... best sentence ever. <laughs> well, I just didn't want to go because uh, the Simpsons. Yeah, but, you know, like, they make church out to be so boring. Mm. And as an adult, I watch it now, and I'm like, actually, they've, they deal with religion pretty fairly and yeah. well. I was going to say, to be honest, a lot are, but I know church camp is fun, because I used to go to church yeah, camp. But yeah, but go on with your story. Yeah, I thought it was going to be super boring, and then I got there and was overwhelmed by how nice and caring everyone was and not in like a weird Ned Flanders kind of brainwash way but just in that it was I was just surrounded by people who were completely uh well almost completely content with who they were there wasn't it was like a different type of society that I'd been brought up in you know like it mm -hmm. was people it wasn't about looks or fashion or money or power or anything like that like all the all the other teenagers and the the people running it and stuff they just wanted everyone to have a good time and to care about each other and and they would have moments where we did really fun things and you know like we did a thing called ice blocking which is um the opposite of tobogganing because obviously in australia we don't really get much snow especially in south australia it's very dry so you would freeze a big crate of water and then sit on it like yeah, just this big block of ice uh -huh. and then go down a really steep grass hill oh whoa <laughs> yeah yeah um which was awesome so yeah. we do things like that a lot of us would end up breaking limbs but you know like yeah that also sounds super <laughs> it's pretty dangerous, dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> but like we do things like that but at the same time then they would have sessions where um they would encourage people to sort of talk about issues that were going on and share and and it was the first time again i was surrounded by teenagers who were being really honest about the things that they were scared about like i remember a friend uh, a male friend um uh bursting into tears when I, when we were sort of having a sort of reflection moment and telling me that he was terrified that he was gonna end up like his dad who was uh a, i mean he wasn't an abusive father but he just was very um emotionally disconnected and hadn't really been there for the family when they, when he was growing up mm -hmm. and then he was just terrified he was gonna end up like that and not have a connection with his kids one day if he decides to have kids and all that sort of thing and I'd never had a deeper meaningful like that with one of my friends you know we just talked about teachers and you know gossip and all this sort of thing mm -hmm. so yeah I think for me it was that was a really unique experience and I was like oh I quite I quite like this way of living yeah <laughs> I think I'd like to get on board with this and then when I found out like the source of everyone's inspiration came from uh from Jesus then I was like oh okay this is worth this is worth uh researching that's cool that you uh got in touch with that in a little bubble that is summer summer camp or bible camp or whatever yeah and yeah. then stuck with it yeah because how many times do people go on retreats being like i get it now and then mm. they get back into their real life and lose whatever they found at church camp or yoga retreat yeah or, you know all that sort of thing oh yeah totally. how how were you how old you were 14 so 14 yeah wow um, I kept with it for about two years until I was about 16. And then as school then got boys, busy, no. I started, yeah, yeah, <laughs> partly, yeah. But I also, um, 
I sort of stopped. There was a few reasons. One, uh, in year 12, I got more busy. I was pulling later nights. When you say stop, you stop going to church? Going to church, you sorry. believing in God? Going to church, yeah. And that's what I did doubt. I, ha- I heavily doubted for quite some time. Mm. Um, and I, But I think that just naturally came with the fact that... So the, I, the, the church that I originally went to um, that were connected with that first camp were lovely. And then the... Um, and then there was sort of another church that everyone, all the teens migrated to because they would do like a nighttime service, yeah, uh, which fitted our routines better. So we all started going to this like late teens night service, and I really enjoyed it, and I loved the people there, and it was really nice. And then a new minister came in, and he was very evangelical. And I'm not saying that evangelical is is necessarily bad, but it's certainly not for me. Mm-hmm. And it suddenly, to me, felt like it got very fake very quickly. So um, the worship, the songs, became, they were so, they were modern and it wasn't the sort of music that I enjoy. So I, I felt out of touch. I don't like singing songs that I don't like. Yeah. I would rather sing, I'd rather make up my own song and be like, yeah, God, you are the best. Like, I'd rather do that than sing something that sounds like it was written by, um, you know, an X Factor judge or something. Like, yeah. it's... So I got really, that kind of got out. And then it became, they used to focus so much on, um, like, what do you call it? The collection plate. And, like, they would really make a big point of, like, sort of putting the, the guilt on you when they like passed around. Like, fringers in the bucket? Yeah, it was like that. Yeah. Wow. It was like that. But, um, I don't know, just because the, the guilt is more. Because at least with Free Fringe, you're like, eh. But with this one, it was like, but it's what Jesus wants. And you're like, oh, geez, you know. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I have no problem with giving, absolutely, but I just felt it was sort of taking advantage of the more um, anxious people in the audience. Yeah. And then um, in the audience, in the congregation. And then uh, and then also that because they were so evangelical, they kept pushing the idea of us bringing friends to church, like introducing friends to the church and okay. bringing them. At the same time, the original friend that took me to Bible camp, to church camp, um she was going through a really tough time and this church was getting so big but it was losing all the intimacy that made it special uh-huh. and she no one was up like i could see that she was upset and i remember speaking to people and saying she's something's going on she's like she's feeling really down she's quite depressed at the moment we need like this is one of your congregation and we're supposed to be offering help but they were so focused on bringing in new people and making it a big mega church mm. that no one, no one went. Oh yeah, we should go see if she's all right. Interesting. And then she left. Yeah. And then I've and that's when I started doubting because I was like, that was one of the flock that you're supposed to be watching, and you just let them. So how did you get through leave. your doubts? Um, I stopped going to church, um, but I always felt like. Like I always believed in Jesus Mm -hmm. and I always felt that that was right. And I think I just held on to the belief that it, because I'd had such a good experience with the church before the pastor, before the minister changed, that's when I realized that churches are different and that it's not necessarily about... Is there a base? There is a base. There's a car outside. With okay. Because I was like, what is coming? No, that's your heart. Um, that's your <laughs> heart. Really feeling Jesus right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How amazing would it be if you just appeared on this podcast? Like, hey, guys, I just want to clear up some rumors. <laughs> yeah. Um, just want to set you straight. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just kind of um, realized that, that uh, it's not necessarily the faith that there's anything wrong with. It's... Um, some of the churches mm-hmm. or, or I guess you could say the religion of it can be what's at fault rather than the faith. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, that's how I kind of, I managed to keep a belief, a faith mm-hmm. and it was only sort of, it's only recently, it's maybe only in like the last two years that I started to maybe, um, around the same time that we started, like got to know each other properly. Yeah. It was around the sort of same time that I started to really get back into it. And mm-hmm. because I found a church in London where I don't attend it as much as I should, but I really like the people there. And I sort of, that's how I do my correspondence stuff with the, with the New Testament and everything. Yeah. So I'm baby steps. I'm getting back into it, but that's I need to cool. learn to trust the church again. Are any of your uh, family, did they, are they religious now? Did you, br- did you bring any of them? Into my it? brother started going. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he went for a lot he was still going when I left uh, and then I talked about it with him when I was back home and he's kind of the same as me although he's I think he's a little more agnostic now yeah but uh, I think he definitely believes in something in a higher power and yeah I, he's uh, very respectful of it so we had a few chats about it and stuff and he, but I, he was eventually put off by that church as well yeah um interestingly um my uh dad when i was back home said that he had an interest and my dad's never really spoken about he's not a particularly emotional person Mm -hmm. like he doesn't really talk about sort of deep stuff very much we just joke around a lot um and when i was back home earlier this year he admitted that when he was he had to so there's the big bushfires in adelaide earlier this year yep and um, he had to go on a very long drive to go and pick up a pilot who was, they, they were flying the, the planes over and dropping the water. Mm-hmm. So he had to go pick up the pilot to take them to the airport. It was a very, very long drive. And he was with another volunteer. And they all, vol- like, they live out in the country, so they all volunteer. Mm-hmm. And this sort of stuff happens. And uh, they were in the car and they kind of, you know, you, you know what it's like when you're traveling as a comic. And when you're on a long car trip, you eventually just start talking about really personal things that you yeah. would mm-hmm. never normally talk about with a stranger. And uh, they had one of those conversations and she is practicing Christian and, uh, and sort of mentioned how she got into it and, and um, the, how she, for her it was about the forgiveness that she felt. That it was a huge relief when she, when she sort of found Jesus as such because it made her realize that all the burdens that she'd been carrying her whole life that she'd not forgiven herself for. And then she was able to go, well, if Jesus forgives me, then I, I need to forgive myself and move on and give back to society because the the burdens were holding her back from mm-hmm. actively helping anyone else and uh and in explaining that to him he felt the same huge lift of relief yeah and so he sort of in a very he he didn't uh, i could tell he was incredibly uncomfortable talking about it out loud but he sort of said so uh yeah it got me thinking about jesus and and how that would help me and it made me feel a lot better um yeah and i didn't want to i didn't want to scare him i didn't you know it felt like you know when a little creature (laughs) here's the new testament yeah yeah you know like when a little creature starts like hopping up to you and (laughs) you're just like i just want to put the food on the ground and see how close it'll come yeah because you know if you put your hand out it'll go (laughs) that's how i feel like with my dad (laughs) i'm just like i'll let him know that i'm here to talk if he needs it and obviously he's now got his He's still friends with her and her family now. They they went over and, and had dinner with them uh, when I was visiting uh, his him and his wife out in the country. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but that was nice. It made me feel better because it, it was a relief for me because I don't always know how my dad's going mm-hmm. emotionally. I think that's the problem with a lot of men and even males like our age and, and younger have so much trouble talking about personal things yeah and uh and i didn't know like i didn't know my dad was carrying a lot of a lot of weight a lot of guilt and and that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. and and you don't know unless they say something yeah uh so that made me feel better just to know a little bit more about what's going on and the fact that he's got some help very cool Mm. fun fact as a child i was not allowed to watch the simpsons But we did go to church every day. Maybe if I did watch The Simpsons, but we didn't go to church every day, I'd still believe in God. Just a thought. Um, Yeah, uh, I just, uh, yeah, I I really appreciate Beck's honesty and her openness about her religion. And even talking about how she really doubted it for a while. Because I think no matter what you believe in, you always kind of have moments where you're like, is this the right thing? Is this what I should be doing? Whether it be, um, whether it be your religion and your belief system, or if it's what you've decided to do with your life as far as your work, or maybe even, uh, your personal relationships, you know? Um, but yeah, now, uh, we get into it a little more and we're going to start to talk about her, uh, religion and how it affects her life now as an adult and I kind of ask her if anyone gives her a hard time about it and yeah so let's get to it now that you're 
older and older than 14 and 16 <laughs> and live in the UK and hang out. I would say the majority of comedians are atheist or agnostic. Yeah, definitely. I would say agnostic. Yeah. I always thought atheist because you hear so much atheist material. Yeah. And so much... Uh, atheists are re- really evangelical about it. Yeah, they are. Right? Well, not yeah. all of them. I, yeah, can't, yeah. I shouldn't say that. Um, some of my best friends are atheists. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, some there are... Some of mine are Christian. There's some... Yeah. <laughs> but some of them out there are um, are incredibly evangelical about mm-hmm. it. And they and to the point that you're like, do you not see the irony? Yeah. And, like, the fact that you hate the way that religions force people to think a certain way and here you are <laughs> banging on about how we should be thinking the way that you want us to think. Yeah. Um, and they, cause they, they sort of point out the faults in different religions and say, we shouldn't live this way. The world would be a better place if there was no religion. But what they don't understand is that people who are religious, who um, staunchly believe in whatever their faith is, they believe that if everyone thought that way, the world would be a better place. Yeah. So you can argue that for any belief. Yeah. Like if we all, basically what you're saying is if we all agreed, the world would be an easier place to live in. It's like, well, duh, of course it would be. We all know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I thought most comedians were atheist and then we started doing God's comedy podcast mm-hmm. and we invited a lot of comics who we thought would talk about being atheist and in chatting to them found out that the majority of them are agnostic oh, really? and I think that's I mean it might just say something about the particular comedians that that I talk with I think it's um I think it's because it there is a certain arrogance that goes with saying I know what the deal is yeah. and so I think it's safer to say agnostic because then you can't you can't be proved wrong if you don't have anything that you actively believe in. Yeah, that's true. How do you hold on to your faith, like, as in a... Basically, uh, this might sound worse than I mean it to, because I'm trying to ask a genuine question, but it's not very sexy to be Christian. <laughs> like, how do I, I hold on to my sexiness? How with do you my... hold on to your sexiness? Is that what you're asking? No, but, like, how do you... Like, do you have anybody who ever confronts you about about it and is like well that's kind of basically i feel like if you um as a white australian woman said you were buddhist people would be like yeah cool man (laughs) everyone believes their own thing yeah like if you're like no actually you know i'm a christian it's like "Hmm, what a shame yeah yeah you ever feel you get that i occasionally i do no occasionally i do rather than a shame it's usually just people who are like oh really i did have one person who on Facebook reacted very strongly and we ended up having again another Facebook debate um, because he he just couldn't get his head around he's like I thought you were really smart and uh, this is really throwing me I was like oh yeah because it's not possible to believe in Jesus and and be intelligent Um, I mean also I would argue that I'm not that smart so (laughs) Uh, yeah it was um, it can be tough but I'm getting, but I used to never talk about it because I didn't, when I was sort of on my little hiatus mm-hmm. from church, if we'll put it, um, while I still believed, I didn't feel like I knew enough mm-hmm. that if I was to openly go, I'm Christian, people would, if they had questions that I would be able to answer them with the answers that they want. Yeah. Well, you had a joke in your last show that I really liked where you talked about being Christian and you're like, when you read the Bible, it's a bit like reading the agreement to iTunes when you're like, I don't know if I signed up for all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it is a bit like that. Like, I, that's why I reread. So the New Testament now I read through yearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that is interesting because you do find bits where you're like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but what's been really encouraging is because of the the way that I'm doing with the emails and um, it's the people from this new church in um, called Oasis in Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Um, they do their little reflection reflections on it and they're all quite, uh, not all of them because it's a very open church, mm-hmm. open-minded, but a lot of them are very left-wing. And um, the church itself has been on the sort of forefront of pushing for same-sex marriage in more churches. Oh, cool. Um, Yep, they're very accepting, uh, as you should be. And um, they're quite... Yeah, they're very liberal. 
um, big on uh, environmentally friendly stuff and, and uh, obviously equal rights and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So when you come across those verses where you're like, this sounds dodgy, <laughs> um, there are, you know, you'll get someone reflecting on it going, well, actually, in the time that this was written, probably by the person it was written by, it would have meant this, which at the time was important, but that's changed now because of the way culture's changed. Or Can like, you give a specific example? Um, okay, the word sodomy in the Bible has come to mean, uh, by today's standards, has come to be referred to as like homosexuality, mm-hmm. which is incorrect, even by today's standards of the word, because it basically sodomy is basically like butt sex. <laughs> and um, but even then, the word back then. That's not like a direct translation because it was, I think it was originally Hebrew and then changed to ancient Greek and then, you know, down the, yeah. like 2000 years later changed to yeah. English. So even the word itself is incorrect. And I think they said the word that they used in the, uh, I think this was in the Old Testament, the word that was originally translated to sodomy, um, uh, that that I can't remember what the word is. If you're interested in this, Google it because there are some very fascinating articles about it. Mm-hmm. But the original word before it was translated to sodomy actually appears uh, throughout the Bible in other bits, which whereas if you translate it into sodomy would mean something completely different. Um, and in those places, they've not translated it as sodomy. They've translated it as other words like um, uh can't remember <laughs> i do but i it is there um but it is, it's translated to different words which essentially means that they've it's one word that they've taken in many different meanings mm-hmm. and so potentially sodomy is the incorrect meaning so there's a lot of verses where people take away from that and they're like oh this means that god hates homosexuality when when in reality you're like actually it sort of means that he's against people taking advantage of each other um, is there anywhere to find an example, or can you give an example? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's multiple examples that a a gay Christian writer um, talks about. Um, if you just Google um, Matthew Vines, uh, is homosexuality a sin? Um, there's an incredible speech transcribed that he does, and he basically goes into every single part of the Bible that suggests homosexuality is a sin and takes it apart into the interpretation and uh, where the original faults are and how anyone with an agenda could easily just say, oh, it's about homosexuality, whereas originally it probably wasn't. Oh, very Mm. interesting. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. My mic gets a little weird at one point during the podcast, and I don't know why, and I've tried to fix it in post, but I to be honest, have very limited uh, knowledge of what I'm doing over here. So, sorry about that, guys. Um, Just so you know, also in the show notes, I've included um, the the transcript that Beck is talking about of Matthew Vines. I haven't read the whole thing because it's very dense. Or, there's a lot of it, put it that way. There's a lot of it, and uh, it's 10 o'clock at night. Um, And I've waited to the last minute to do this. But, uh, but from what I read, it's very interesting and I'm comfortable putting it up. So yeah, so it'll be there. Also do check out Beck's podcast. She does it with Bridie Lee Kennedy. Also another very funny comedian and writer. And, um, guess who one of the guests was in one of the earlier episodes. That's right. Yours truly. I have no clue what I said on it anymore. I completely forget. So have a listen and let me know what I said. Uh, going further, uh, Beck and I talk, we get a little bit away from her religion, actually completely away from religion, and we start talking about her challenges. Beck likes to, uh, set up little challenges for herself, uh, a lot, and at one time, she went vegan for a month, and we talk about how that went for her. I once went vegan for about three weeks, and it was not for me at all. It's wonderful life choice. I completely support people who are vegan, but I just can't handle that much bread in my diet or carbs, as it were, because uh, that's how I was doing it. But uh, yeah, all right, let's get back to it. Why do you like doing little challenges so much? 
Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's because uh, it's easier to do those than it is to do things that I need to do, like, you know, get fit and eat healthy. So, well, you did uh, veganism for a month. Yeah, but I wouldn't say I did it healthily because uh, I realized Real that, easy not to. Yeah. Because chips are still vegan. Yeah, chips and bread Mm-hmm. And uh, vegan cheese, which is essentially just coconut fat, but flavored. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, oh, did I dine out on that for a month? Really? Oh, yeah. Boy, oh, boy. I found that I can make an amazing vegan cheese grilled sandwich. And uh, it is not healthy. So what what made you decide to be vegan for a month then? Um, it was mainly because I really don't like how we source the majority of our food mm-hmm. um, uh, from animals. And uh, and I wanted to see if it was possible because if it turned out to be easier than I thought it was, then oh. I would potentially I would go vegan. Um, would you? Would you? If it was easy, yeah, I would. And you said, but you do think it's easy, or you? Think no, it's easier. I found it really hard. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought yeah. for a second it was. E- you said it was easier than you thought it would be. Oh, if it was easier than I thought it would be. Oh, yeah, I thought sorry. you said it is easier. <laughs> I was like, well, we have two very different opinions. Yeah, I remember you that month, <laughs> and you were not a happy chappy. <laughs> um, yeah, and that isn't to say it wouldn't be... The thing is, I think because of our life... Well, I say this, there's a lot of comedians who are vegan, mm-hmm. um, but I think with the particular routine and lifestyle that I've drawn about, most of my meals are ready meals or or oven pizzas. Which, to be honest, isn't healthy anyway. But yeah. at the moment, it's the easiest way for me to live and not have to stress about food. Yeah. Every once in a while, I play with the idea in my head of going gluten-free. <laughs> and then I realize that I often eat dinner walking to a gig. Yeah. Which the only thing you can eat walking is a sandwich. Yeah. So yeah. that cuts that out real quick. Yeah. Yeah, it's only until you start deciding to cut out bread that you realize how much you eat it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, what other challenges have you done? Do you just do them as a distraction? Or are you trying to learn something when you do them? Or I think it's more the, I'm just really stubborn. <laughs> so I did the match joke during the World Cup last year, which was, uh, uh, so as a joke, I was watching the World Cup and it was the second game with Spain. I think it was Spain versus Australia. Mm-hmm. No, no, sorry. It was Spain versus someone else. And then Australia was the next one. Um, and Spain lost. And then I said, why can't Spain light a candle? Because they lost their match. Mm-hmm. And uh, my housemate and um, Gav as well, my fiance, both went, that was terrible. I can't believe you just tweeted that. And um, and I was very proud of how bad it was. And yeah. then the wonderful Daniel Sloss, um, who is a comedian... Um, retweeted it and he has like 60,000 followers or even more and so it got quite it got maybe like 30 retweets which isn't huge but it's a lot for a bad joke yeah um, and uh, and they were furious Gavin and my our flatmate Ed were furious that such a bad joke got retweeted so many times so I messaged Daniel and said thank you so much for that um, this is what's going on I really want to bother my housemates so there was a second game after that Spanish game mm-hmm. with Australia uh, I think it was Australia versus Mexico I can't remember either way Australia lost and so I did the exact same joke Australia why can't Australia light a candle because they lost their match and Daniel retweeted it again so it got yeah. loads of read and then someone replied back you should do this for every game and I went maybe I will <laughs> not realising the World Cup goes for four weeks <laughs> And uh, there's like 80 games or something over the four weeks. Yeah. And I ended up uh, setting alarms at like 3 a.m. to see who had won with Japan versus I think maybe Switzerland or something. Yeah. And uh, just so I could tweet at 3 a.m., you know, why did, I think it was Japan, why did Japan not be able to light a candle because they lost their match. match. Yeah, and I just did the same joke after every game. And then people started going, what are you going to do if people start drawing? Because there hadn't been a draw for like the first week and a half or even two weeks at the World Cup, which Uh was pretty big. Um, So I was like, what are you going to do if there's a draw? And I was like, oh, maybe that's for me to know and you to find out. And so then it got to the point that people started following. It had a hashtag, which was match joke. And everyone just started like 
retweeting or, or replying or following me p- just to see me do this stupid joke after every game. And then everyone started going, oh my gosh. And there was this one game with Sw- Switzerland, uh, I want to say versus Uruguay, but I might be wrong. Anyway, there's two teams and they were drawing and they had 90 seconds left. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, here it is. We're going to see what happens when it's a draw. And then Switzerland scored with like 30 seconds remaining. And everyone was like, no! <laughs> and it was so much fun. Was there a draw? Eventually there was a draw a couple of day, like a day or two later. And it was, the joke for that was, um, oh, look. Uh, and then it would have the name of the countries. So it'd be like, oh, look, uh, um, America and Italy drew a match and yeah. then it would be like a hand-drawn picture of a match and then it would say like by Italy aged and then like the name of the country or the age of the country and then like and US aged and then the age of the country um which was annoying because then I had to google the ages of all the countries uh, <laughs> and there was quite a few where I got it wrong because you know they'd like split up and then reformed years later and yeah. all this sort of craziness and you could also argue that America is a lot older than uh, than white America so <laughs> there's a lot of uh, things like that yeah um, but yeah and then uh, and so I ended up doing that for four months and that was interesting because uh because I, got, I gained a lot of followers from it. Yeah. And then I had people like, I, I ran into Darrow Brian in Edinburgh and he was like, oh, I loved your match your ma- uh, your match joke. Oh, and really? I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I can't believe there's comedians, big name comedians who are following this stupid joke. What What's great is that you literally told the same joke over and over Just again. the same, yeah. Like everyone's so, our, I feel, put it that way, um, a pressure to always create new content. Yeah, it's like one week, same joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of, uh, and I had a lot of people saying, "Why don't you just set timer and like you know pre pre write the tweet and then time it?" And I was like, "Because I don't know no who's win. won." Yeah, yeah. And so you do have to be there every time for every game. I remember I had to stop a preview halfway through last year to tweet. Really? Um, yeah, Because yeah. you did it not hours later, right after the game. Yeah, I would do it like as soon as the game finished. Okay, yeah. that had yeah. to be part of the fun for everyone to oh, win. Yeah. To be like, is she gonna actually? If I, I think there was she... one where I missed it because I was underground yeah. and so I couldn't get reception. And oh no, there were two. There was one where I was underground, and there was one where my phone died. And uh, and by the time I got, it was only like Just half an hour later, and people walk. were like, "Why haven't you tweeted?" And I was like, "Oh no!" You're walking up to strangers on the street, being like, "Can I borrow your phone?" Just yeah, real quick. <laughs> I just, just need to tweet quick. about the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. um, in your comedy, you know, you as every as everyone knows, as I know, uh, and and other comedy fans in Britain know, uh, you you do all this cool creative stuff with Pun Run and. Um, your flip charts and all that. Do you have a creative process? How how do you keep your ideas fresh? Uh, I ask myself the same question. Yeah. I don't say I, I wouldn't ever say I keep my ideas fresh. I don't think we're pretty <laughs> good like, friends. Can I turn this into a flip chart? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do. Ha- I have too many things that I want to make flip charts at the moment and not enough time, which yeah. is quite frustrating. And every time I bring out a new flip chart, which is maybe like. Every time I have a good one, that it's like once a year that I'll have one that's like viral worthy. Because I make other ones, but I wouldn't, they're not great. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And every, uh, once a year when these different, so it was, there was dinosaurs and then the year after it was, uh, oh, I can't even remember the one after. But then there was Kill Yourself. Yeah. And then this year it was the Edith PF one. Um, and I always get like, loads of messages from people going can you make a flip chart for my song or for my and sometimes that's really great and other times I'm like I just don't have time yeah um and uh I mean it's all very well if I get commissioned to do something I'm like oh money that's always helpful yeah um but there's a lot of people who are like me and don't have much of a budget and I have to explain well it takes about a week to storyboard and then at least a week of construction not to mention all of the things I have to buy to make it yeah um yeah so it does it is one of those things where I've slowly had to start saying no to people because I just don't yeah don't have time or resources to do it but where did the idea come to do flip charts like because because I feel like 
Okay, but basically, I just want information from you for me. Uh, because I think you're someone who accomplishes a lot in a very short amount of time, and you seem to have uh, a good number of projects that you keep up in the air that maintain a high level of quality, and not a lot of people are able to do that. People who uh, There are a lot of people who have a lot of projects, and all those projects are just okay. But I feel like your stand-up is awesome. Pun Run is always a great time. Uh, Gods of Comedy is a good podcast. Now I'm just plugging things in. <laughs> um, and, and you still have time to argue with pigs and shit. So... <laughs> Uh, how, how does that work for you? Like, what's, what's a day like for you when you're like, okay, I have stuff to get done. First, I'm going to go on the Facebook comedy forum. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I, um, it's funny that you say that because I always feel like I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we all do. Yeah, you know? I think so. Because, well, the thing is, I feel like I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none. Like, mm-hmm. To someone who doesn't put loads of stuff on YouTube or or things like that, people look at the one video I put up a year and go, wow, that went well. You're doing really well on YouTube. But I look at people who put up a video weekly and have like a million subscribers. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing YouTube right. And then people say, uh, like, pun runs great, but it is only once every two months. Mm -hmm. And I have help. I have a team now. Like, I've got, like, Gavin helps run it. He does all the social media. So anytime pun run tweets, it's usually him. Um, Then there's Darren Walsh, who hosts a lot of them now, if I'm not available. Um, And then I've got a bunch of other people who sort of help out Mm -hmm. behind the scenes as well. So that's very much a team effort. Um, And then... Yeah, the stand, again, it's all like either I get help or I take a lot of time to do stuff. Like I really, really take time to do it to make sure I do it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I look at other people. It's like, you know, when in Edinburgh and you're like, I'm not doing enough shows. Yeah. Because you look at people like Tom Tuck and Paul Foxcroft and you're like, oh, Phil Nickel. And you're like, you're doing five shows a day for a month. Yeah. And then I'm like turning down spots at gigs because i'm like i'm gonna be too tired yeah i'm already doing two or three shows that day i'm gonna be too tired yeah um and i always think oh gosh i'm not doing enough but what's but what's your creative process like all right so (laughs) a typical day for me is i'll sleep in (laughs) and then i get up and i check my emails i spend most days doing admin to be honest i was gonna say that's the thing that sucks I feel like my writing dries. Like I'm like I'm just gonna do an hour of admin, and then I fall into an admin K hole, which is great, <laughs> but also is not helping that show get any better. No, no. I spend most days doing admin, and then when I've gotten enough out, so basically I always try and get my em. It's due, but so I have like a I use um, the equivalent of Outlook to to manage my emails, mm-hmm. and when I view my inbox, my aim is always to have it so that I don't need to use that slidey thing to see all the emails. Like I can view, I've either got no emails or it just doesn't go off the page. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Oh, cool. So if I can reduce my emails down to that and I do all the work that is involved with those as well. Like for instance, I've got emails in my inbox that pertain to pun run in Edinburgh. Um, and so it's not that I can't answer them, but it's I keep it there as a to-do list essentially because mm-hmm. I still need to lock in all the, the names that I've got. Like I've got a whole lineup, but it's all tentative, so mm-hmm. I can't announce it yet. Yeah. So it's all, it's all that, um, things like that that are sitting in my inbox. But my aim is to get all of them out of the way because they are like, oh, and stupid things like, oh, I haven't designed the back of my flyer yet. I just oh, realized really? I normally have it done months in advance and wow. I just realized the other day I haven't designed my flyer yet. I released mine on uh, Facebook and this is the first year in six years of Edinburgh that there is a typo on my flyer. Oh no. And I called the printing and I was like... Is it Abogoglia or something? It uh, gives the wrong venue. No, uh, it says uh, Le Petit Mort as, instead of La Petite more basically oh. i use the wrong french which some douchebag on no is very is nice. that the venue uh no <laughs> the venue's gilded balloon well oh yeah of course <laughs> it is i know your venue but no I, I i just use the i tried to use a french phrase and i don't speak french so i used um a masculine version of a feminine word so what? so yeah that's what's the context why are you saying that in the first place uh, we're just talking about sex 
what's it called? My uh, publicist wrote it, I and mean, I was like, "That sounds great." I don't know anything my, about that, French like, either. We like, have seen my Edith PF yeah. flip chart. <laughs> So I'll spend all day trying to get my emails down. So the way it, it's rather than working day to day to day, I more work like in week blocks. Okay. So I might spend two two or three days sorting out my admin, and then I'll spend like if I need to make a flip chart, then I'll put aside a day or two to just do flip chart. Like I can't do admin and flip chart because by the time I get on a roll on either or the other, it it's too hard to stop and then start a different thing. That's a really good point. Maybe that's what I'm doing wrong. Because I try to stop and start things all the time. Yeah. No, I just have to put aside, like, big old blocks Mm -hmm. to different things because I work in different ways with them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Um, And then when you're writing jokes and stuff, do you write with a notebook or do you you talk it all out loud? Because you were saying you... You do your devotionals out loud. Yeah. No, I don't with the jokes. I think I think about it. I think it comes in my, it comes into my head mm-hmm. and then I dot point it. In fact, you've, uh, you've seen how I tend to do it. If I'm writing a new show, I, I get all of the ideas that I've written in my notebook. So I might say something like, a uh, um, toilet paper curtains. That's not a thing, but just say it was right now. I'm going to write something. About I that. hope it. <laughs> so I might write toilet paper curtains in my book and I'd be like, oh yeah, that reminds me of, like that was an idea that I had for, you know, how you would make household decorations for a mouse. Mm-hmm. And then, so I, and then what I'll do is I'll put it on a post-it and I'll put all of those dot points on post-its and then I, when I do like my first ever previews, it's always just me going, what should I talk about? And then people point at something and then they go, toilet paper curtains! Mm-hmm. And then I'll talk about it and hope that a punchline comes out of it yeah and then uh yeah and they just sort of form from there and the nice thing about doing it that way is you get a different order of material each time which mm. means that sometimes you find connections that you wouldn't necessarily make yourself um so i really enjoy doing things that way yeah but i mean each to their own as well very cool hmm. awesome um so we're almost at an hour um how boo, boo. Um, yeah, uh, Gav has to come over and direct me. <laughs> so, uh, what? so we have to go, but, um, what, um, how can people find you? How do you want to be found? All that stuff. Binoculars through, Binoc- the, through my toilet paper curtains. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, like Google Beck Hill is a nice name. <laughs> it used to be that if you Googled Beck Hill, B-E-C-H-I-L-L, uh, it would come up with a cycling tour. Um, called the Beck Hill Climb. Oh, really? Uh, I don't know why. I, I've never looked into it. But that used to get the most hits. And now I think I'm the most common thing that you'll find on Google. Yeah. So, win. Um, I mean, it's like Abigail. No one's going to... Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to be anywhere. Abigail.com. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so if you just Google Beck Hill... Um, but yeah, Beck Hill Comedian on Twitter and Facebook. Or Be Chill Comedian, mm-hmm. as people point out to me on a weekly basis. <laughs> Um, in fact, I said that same but thing. But it I'd... doesn't say Beach Hill because Beach. No, be would... chill. As oh, in, like to be, be chill. chill. Yeah. I thought you said Beach. Beach Hill. Hill. No, I was like, no, they're missing letters. Okay. I, I, um, I did Will Anderson's podcast, and I said the same thing. I said Beck Hill comedian or be chill comedian, depending on how you, where you put the space. And he said, "Do you get that a lot?" And I said, "I get it weekly." And then as soon as he put out the podcast, and he tagged me in it, saying this week's podcast with Beck Hill Comedian and immediately someone replied going I thought that was a direction to be chill comedian and then Will was like dude listen to the podcast <laughs> like you're so far behind <laughs> it's an old joke mate it's an old joke it's Let go. been addressed <laughs> cool so uh, Google and then you're on Twitter at Beck Hill Comedian yep and then Facebook pretty Facebook. much all of them yeah, yeah. Uh, except for YouTube which is Rolly Polly Grandma because I started that um like very early doors and um that was a production company that well it was the name when i did media studies in high school i always said um produced by uh no a roly-poly grandma production Uh and that came about because when i was about 14 or 15 i was talking to my little grandma who's tiny and adorable and um she was a lot bigger than as well she's lost weight and, uh, and I said to her, you're so cute, Grandma. And she went, oh, you only say that because I'm roly-poly. Roly-poly, Grandma. And I just thought it was the funniest thing. And um, it stuck. 
Do you release your Edinburgh shows under fully Paul? I did for a while, and now when because Gav's been directing them, yeah, um, for a while, uh, when we put them on, and also for quite some time, he would like we're we're a partnership, so if I run out of money, he will spot me until I have money and I can pay him back and vice versa. And I think that's similarly how producing works. So if we put on something that isn't by my producer, Beth, um, the production company will normally be Innocent Hill, Ah. uh, which uh, sounds like Innocent Hill, which are our surnames. Ah, Mm, Yeah. So, but it used to be Rolly Polly Grandma. Very cool. All right. uh, Just say your piece of advice one more time that you got from the wisdom of a fortune cookie. It was never wrestle with a pig. You both get all dirty and the pig likes it. Well done. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. So that's it. That's Beck Hill. Um, I hope it didn't get too boring for you guys when I was trying to get her to tell me how she manages her time and how she works creatively. I hope that was interesting for people who weren't comedians as well. But I, I don't know. I thought there was some good stuff in there. Like I said, she does a lot of things, but apparently she doesn't do them all on her own. She gets people's help. She really takes her time to do stuff so to make sure it's done very well. Which, you know, I tend to be a person who's like, oh, let's just throw it up there. Let's just get as much out there as we can instead of making sure that it's done correctly. Um, And, uh, yeah, she puts aside big chunks of time instead of, you know, dividing it up in 15, you know, half-hour intervals. Um, Or, I don't know, however you divide up time. I, I don't know. I... Uh, Guys, I spent five hours on YouTube today. I am trying to get better about time management. If you by chance have any suggestions for me on how to manage my time better, I would love your suggestions. And if you could post them to me on the Facebook page, Namaste Bitches Podcast. Uh, Anyone can join. If you haven't joined yet, please do. Namaste Bitches Podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter. Like I said, check out my YouTube page. And also, please follow Beck Hill at Beck Hill Comedian on Twitter. You can check out our website, BeckHillComedian.com. And yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. These will be coming out now in uh, regular increments. I promise they will come out every two weeks. And every two weeks they will be wonderful. Uh, And I will not wait till the night before now at 1030 at night to put together the in-betweeny bits. That's, there's no more. I'll start doing it earlier. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Please share this with your friends and post on the Facebook page. And, yeah, have a really good day, guys. Namaste.